0: well yank my doodle we are the spy fi guys and this is jack of all trades welcome to the spy fi guys where we cover spy facts spy fiction and everything in between i'm christian
1: and i'm zach
0: And today we are covering a show that I've never heard of before, Jack of All Trades. Zach, you're the one who suggested this, what's your relationship with
1: it? Oh, I will tell you so much about this show. Last week we did Burn Notice, Mm -hmm. and seeing Bruce Campbell on there, I remembered thinking, isn't there some show where Bruce Campbell is a spy, but he's also a superhero? (laughs) And then I was like, oh yeah. The best theme song I've ever heard in a TV show, second only to JAG, which is also amazing.
0: I mean, I feel like <laughs> many other better theme songs.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say there are many better spy slash superhero shows starring Bruce Campbell.
0: Oh no, in I mean, in which case I would disagree. But I will. Say, I mean, come on, Secret Agent Man. Although they didn't use in the in the version we saw, but is a better theme song.
1: Well, we're not going to argue about that. But the point is. <laughs> I watched the show in the early 2000s, and I watched it back when Netflix had you mail the DVDs. Oh,
0: wow. (laughs) Yes.
1: So I always thought this show was created in the post-9-11 world, where Mm. everyone was like, America was great. They wave the flag. They make fun of the French. The Brits are our allies, but they're also weird and foreign, too. But little did I learn this week that it was created in (laughs) 2000. Yep. So we missed yep. 9-11. So it's all just oh, a weird coincidence. It
0: predated it. Yeah, I mean, because like a lot of that stuff was there already. It just got exemplified by 9-11.
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I like making fun of the French as much as the next guy. But it really lined up well <laughs> with that whole climate.
0: Fair enough. You know, what? I'm su- actually, if you think about in you know, a weird alternate universe, if this was made afterwards, it may have gotten more seasons.
1: Yeah, maybe. So, this show was created by the same production level as shows like Xena, Warrior Princess, Hercules, uh, Young course, Hercules. Of course. It was filmed in New Zealand. It used uh-huh. a lot of New Zealand actors. And it was built in an action block. It was this show and a show called Cleopatra 2525.
0: I'm sorry, what?
1: <laughs> oh, you never heard of that show?
0: I've never heard of that show.
1: Yeah, so it stars Gina Torres. And it's a bunch of, like, hot chicks fighting robots. I've actually never <laughs> seen that. I'm just vaguely familiar with the idea.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: If they're also spies, we could cover it, but I don't think that they are. Uh. But we're not here to talk about Cleopatra 2525. We're going to talk about Jack of All Trades. And today we will be covering the pilot... And then the highest rated episode on IMDb, which is called Love Potion Number 10. Now, this show cannot be streamed anywhere currently. I bought the DVDs off of Amazon to make sure that we. Got to see the pilot, because I didn't feel like this is the kind of show you can just drop into on a random episode.
0: Yeah, no, not really, no. So do you have our synopsis for the pilot episode, which is titled Return of the Dragoon?
1: Okay, here is the IMDb plot summary. Jack Styles rescues the niece of President Thomas Jefferson. When the President finds out she has been thanking him in bed, he banishes Jack to Palo Palo, supposedly to stop Napoleon's plans for world domination. Jack is appalled when he finds out his contact is a woman. Together, he and Amelia Rothschild managed to complete their first mission.
0: All right, that's a pretty good summing up. But although, so we start in 1801, somewhere across the Canadian border, where, as you said, the president's niece is captured by the French.
1: Yes, because in this world,
0: French are in ruling Canada. <laughs>
1: They're like, in Canada, they speak French, whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so apparently Napoleon, this is a classic James Bond plot. Napoleon's planning to get America and the UK to fight against each other because of misunderstanding, which is, you know, like a, at least 65% of all James P- Bond plots is getting the US and Russia to fight each other, even though they're not, they're not the ones causing the problems.
1: And at least one Call of Duty game. Oh. But this whole opening is the classic James Bond cold open, right? they got to be channeling that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Jack bursts in, beats up the French, frees the president's niece, and they're about to be captured, but then they start singing La Marseillaise and distract the French guards.
1: It's La Marseillaise? I always thought it was La Marseillaise.
0: I mean, that is...
1: The dumb American way to say it?
0: Yes, it is. And then J- Jack uses the woman's dress as a parachute, because it's one of those like ones that has the... Uh, Oh, I used to know what this is called.
1: It's like a big foofy dress.
0: Yeah, uh, and then he gives his James Bond style introduction. Styles, or was it, is it Styles? Yeah, Styles, Jack Styles.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's like absurd. He's like, "What color is your underwear?" She slaps him. He's like, "No, I mean, how much do you weigh?" She slaps him.
0: The underwear thing comes in later. This is more of was the what's your dress size was the
1: thing. Oh. Yeah. So I thought it was a callback to Batman when he says to Vicky Vale.
0: Yeah, I thought about that too. (laughs) But it works. Yeah, yeah. So they end up in bed together because she says, you know, how can I ever thank you? And
1: there's a good transition where they fall and then they fall into bed. That's Mm -hmm. like some cinematic stuff.
0: (laughs) And then President Jefferson is knocking at the door. So the niece (laughs) hides under the bed and Jefferson gives him an assignment undercover in Palau, Palau. You fight against napoleon's plan to take over the world so the synopsis made it seem like he was being banished i don't think so
1: i did not get the impression initially of that either though he is disappointed that he isn't going somewhere that people actually want to go
0: London, somewhere yeah
1: yeah i also thought it was interesting that they actually had thomas jefferson as a character <laughs> i thought it was gonna be like a knock on the door and then he was It's like a hand was going to come off from off screen and handed the piece of paper
0: he's james bond he's got to have his m character so
1: yeah i guess so it is interesting how thomas jefferson is now a bit of a persona non grata at least knowing the circles we travel in
0: i mean it depends if you're talking about the hamilton version he is not but as the real person yes
1: and this is some weird hybrid of the two
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway so we get our theme song yes very yankee doodle-esque and then it's a bit of like irish music as well it's kind of folksy yeah.
1: we need to spend the next half an hour talking about the oh
0: God. I, it's have not, I have not a lot to say about it
1: it's amazing it's fantastic it's so happy it makes you so excited that the show is gonna be good and then it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i just wish i had been there watching you watch it for the first time what were your thoughts Tell me, tell
0: me. I mean, it was more of a trying to figure out what parts of it were Yankee Doodle, what parts of it were...
1: The Marine Corps ham?
0: Yeah, and other stuff like that. So, it, was, I mean, I didn't have a strong
1: reaction to it, per se. I don't even know what to tell you. The theme song's <laughs> the best part of the show. If you don't like it, it's all downhill from here.
0: <laughs> all right, all right.
1: So some parts I like is the part where they all smash the beer glasses together.
0: Uh, that just made me Sad of all that wasted beer.
1: Oh, it's so fun. It's so great. But then at the end of it, the parrot looks at a guy, and the parrot says, like, burger, burger. Because in the other episode yeah. opening, the parrot says, damn right, it's oh. Jack. But in the pilot, he says something else.
0: Really? I didn't even notice.
1: hmm Well, you know what? I want to go back for a second. Sure. In Jefferson's note to Jack, he says the fate of the free world depends on this. And that reminded (laughs) me of, not other than Operation Mincemeat, where the fate of the free world depends on everything.
0: Or any other spy movie. (laughs) Yeah, that too. So we get to Palau Palau, where it's a mix of, you know, a few white people, a lot of Palauans.
1: Right. They say it's in the East Indies, but the extras look Asian, but all the... Natives who actually have speaking roles are white. It's very confusing.
0: So, I mean, you know where the East Indies is, right? (laughs) Your silence is deafening. (laughs) The East Indies are, well, Philippines, Indonesia, that area. So it is Asia.
1: So that makes sense. Yeah. I was like, it's either that or the Caribbean.
0: Yeah. And it's definitely not the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so he runs into this kid who has a doll with a mask and a cape. Apparently, it's a loc- local folk hero and myth called the daring dragoon. And the woman who's explaining to us this, all of this to him is his contact, Amelia Rothschild, who's British.
1: And when she's introduced, there's this big music cue, like <laughs> I can't really do it, but it's very distinctive sounding. Okay. And she is much shorter than Bruce Campbell. I mean, how
0: tall is Bruce Campbell? I feel like he's pretty tall.
1: He is tall, but in shows like Burn Notice, which we covered last week, uh-huh. the female lead often wears very high heels. This is also true in Castle. And the reason for this is because in a shot, reverse shot, you mm-hmm. want them to look more or less the same height right. so that it's not so glaringly obvious like it is here.
0: It also, were heels a thing by this point?
1: No, no, no the actor wears it, not the character. I mean, it, it, obviously, if you could have them do both, and uh-huh. that's fine, but.
0: Well, anyway, so he's a little put off by the, the fact that she is one British and two a woman. Yes. She sort of shuts him down immediately. Mm-hmm. She shows him her house, which is where he'll be staying. It's a nice, pretty nice place. We find out that she's a widow. And then she shows him into her secret lab, where she walks through the fireplace to, to show it off. And yeah, it's, it's cool. basically a bat cave. Mm-hmm. And th- this smoke and mirrors like how they explain it it's completely ridiculous because it looks like a fully functioning fireplace Mm -hmm. but it's basically a hologram and they have like a bunch of mirrors set up and like this ridiculous fake flame which would not produce the effect that they're showing here
1: yeah they have the thing that spins around to simulate motion Mm -hmm. i don't remember what it's called i remember learning about it in school it's funny oh something i wanted to jump in about amelia Yes. Which is, her actor is played by Angela Marie Dochin or Dotchin. Okay. There's a couple of things about her. She's a New Zealand actor. Right. Sometimes they move out, but she did not. She no. does New Zealand shows. But according to my research, for six years, she dated Tamora Morrison, another New Zealand actor.
0: Yeah, I saw that when I was looking at because it, I it was like, she's got to be in something else. She looks so familiar, but nothing I've seen.
1: Nothing in front of the camera besides this.
0: Well, I mean, she's been in other... She was in, like, Hercules and Xena and Young Hercules, but I didn't watch any of those.
1: Yeah, all those New Zealand shows. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so, yeah, her Batcave, it's also, like, a Q's lab as well.
1: Yeah, so this is why on IMDb, the show is also labeled Steampunk.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: This is very much a Steampunk set.
0: So, like, I keep wanting to call him Bruce Jack, runs into runs into <laughs> something and, like, a diving helmet falls on his head
1: yeah it's a little slapstick comedy
0: and apparently it's also soundproof so whatever they get up to down there Mm -hmm. won't be heard by anyone outside jack of course thinks well you know if so if you're saying that if i bring a lady friend over here you won't hear a thing and she says yes but this is all supposed to be a
1: secret (laughs) somehow he's been a spy for years and he doesn't understand how being a spy works <laughs> so I was hoping with this show that it was going to be like the Avengers, the old Avengers. Oh yeah, with like the duo and a little bit of will they, won't they? And uh-huh. I think maybe they were trying for that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just not the same. That's really hard to replicate.
0: It worked better than the 1998 Avengers did.
1: We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that except for every episode. Where right. We, say we give it one more day.
0: <laughs> so we find out what the mission is, and it's. Apparently, French soldiers have arrived just before Jack did. The governor is going to give them their orders. And Amelia has set up tea with the governor. So while they're having tea, they've got to uncover the orders and warn their intended target.
1: Yeah. And by the sentences of this show, that is a very down-to-earth plot.
0: (laughs) All right. So we meet Governor Kroc, who is in his mansion. He's hanging his family portrait up. We find out that his brother is Napoleon. Yes. And a soldier enters, says that someone has painted the symbol of the Dragoon on the wall. Governor Kroc, you know, dismisses it immediately. And Jack asks to use one of the uh, porcelain throne, as he calls it.
1: So I want to jump in here. Yes. Napoleon is depicted in a painting as a dwarf. yeah, Standing on a stepladder. We're going to more about that later. But... Jack makes a joke about how short he is and it doesn't go over well. But then he makes another joke about how he's a leprechaun looking for a pot of cold. Uh-huh. And everyone laughs at that, including Amelia. My interpretation is that Amelia, being English, hates the Irish and appreciates oh, any joke at their expense.
0: No, that's not what happened. And if you you watch if you rewatch it, so Jack starts laughing. And then Amelia laughs to try to get Croc to start laughing. Just save safe face.
1: Yeah, I got that, but my interpretation's funnier. Is it, though? Like, come on.
0: Uh, Jack doesn't go to the bathroom and is actually snooping. He sees some nice cigars on Croc's desk and pockets them, finds a pack of nudie playing cards that he gets distracted by.
1: Of course he does. I also like how when he goes to the porcelain throne, Amelia immediately pulls out her bag and has some bureaucracy and signing (laughs) stuff for them to do. She's a good spy, and the, the the writers actually like thought about that. Uh, I thought that was again pretty impressive for the show.
0: <laughs> Seemingly, a while has passed, and he has got his feet up on the desk of the governor. Amelia <laughs> finds him. Apparently, everyone's looking for him now, and he says that, "Yeah, no, I haven't seen the orders anywhere." So. I don't, you you gave me, you know, an impossible task.
1: So apparently just take five if you can't find the orders. Don't worry about it. Right.
0: Right. (laughs) So soldiers are barging in the door saying that, you know, breaking into the governor's office is a crime punishable by death. Uh And captain of the guard has his men uh, trying to, you know, break through the door by basically just running into it.
1: Yeah, he has the biggest guy there. Just keep running and doing And I gotta say, you know, I like making fun of the French, but these uniforms look really cool. The French uniforms, they look great.
0: Mm, Yeah, no, they're good. So Jack finds a hat, tears down a curtain, and then asks Amelia what color her underwear is. This is where the underwear came in. And it's not for anything sexual. It's because he needs a mask, because he's going to disguise himself as the daring dragoon.
1: Yeah, God forbid he created his mask out of literally any other material. But whatever. He does get slapped again, which is funny. It makes me wonder if Sam Raimi has more of an influence on this show than just a producer.
0: I mean, a producer is a pretty important role, you know.
1: Well, for those who don't get that joke, when they were doing the Evil Dead movies, Sam Raimi would abuse Bruce Campbell mercilessly, both on and off the camera, because they're friends.
0: I mean, also in... Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Mad- Madness. Spoilers for that movie, if you haven't yeah, seen it
1: Yeah, well, it's been going on for decades, and right. yeah. now it's an end joke. Mm-hmm.
0: So, probably yes. When they ask for what he's demanding, he starts vamping, and even, like, starts paraphrasing the Declaration of Independence.
1: Yeah, he just says, and I'm going to free, where are we again? Palo Palo!
0: <laughs> Has a sword, and uh, use does the old, you know, cut down the chandelier trick to trap the troops under a chandelier. Mm-hmm. Jumps out the window, but is actually hanging on to the very edge as the troops like, try to find him down on the on the ground floor. And then he mm-hmm. comes, Amelia helps him come back inside.
1: Yeah, and it's a recurring joke on this show that yeah. the Daring, Dra- Daring Dragoon is very clearly Jack. <laughs> like, he talks the same, he pretty much looks the same, and yet nobody can figure it out. I mean, it's it's hilarious. Like
0: your standard superhero dual identity thing.
1: Well, at least Christian Bale does a voice when he's right. Batman.
0: Yeah, but I mean, did you ever watch the show that definitely, clearly inspired this show, the 1950s Zorro?
1: The 1950s Zorro, I have not seen. I thought you were going to say Batman 66, because there's a lot of that here, too. Um,
0: I'd say there's more of the Zorro stuff in here.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, clearly he looks like Zorro. He's got the sword and the cape, uh, whatever. Where was I going with this?
0: Great question. Not sure.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Well, yeah, but I was saying that this, like, oh, right, just your standard superhero thing, that's what you, I was saying, and... Yeah, no, that Zorro doesn't change his voice or anything at all either.
1: And he has close contact with the people that Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah, like he's best fr- like he's best friends with well, the captain of the guard. He frequently talks to the governor of Pueblo de California or de Los Angeles, which is where or yeah, it's Los Angeles. But yeah, mm-hmm. so it it is a blueprint for the show. As well as, you know, the many other spin spin-offs that have, like, sh- other, sh- you know, reboots. Like the of- Shadow. No, not that. I'm just, like, of Zoro itself. Anyways. But yeah, so everyone goes outside, and Jack appears, having missed all the action. Very Clark Kenty.
1: Very typical.
0: Yeah. Back in the lab, Amelia is at- upset at having to play the damsel in distress in that scenario, because he, like, had her at sword point. Yeah. And Jack says he plans to continue as a daring dragoon, and Amelia wants to have him replaced. Says she'll send a letter to President Jefferson.
1: Yeah, she basically says something like, leave it to a woman to do a man's job.
0: So yeah, so she's going to go finish the mission herself. Apparently, French captains don't open their orders until they've set sail. So even if they have the orders already, it's not too late. Right. So Amelia uses her diving helmet to sneak onto the ship, which, that was a good setup. Like, I thought that was going to be a just a one-off gag. Uh-huh. So she's using it. She doesn't have. She's basically in a swimsuit and then has the helmet over her head. Have you ever?
1: No, I have not used one of these giant diving suits.
0: Or just just the helmet. So I have. Uh huh. In the Philippines, um, they have something a more modern version of. But it's basically I think I've got I've got pictures somewhere. Basically, just the diving helmet that you put on and the way that I don't know how it's it works, but so you, the water is just under your under your neck, basically and mm. make sure you don't trip
1: i was gonna say are you doing it when you were traveling with captain nemo and the nautilus
0: <laughs> i mean sure <laughs> but yeah. it was fun it was cool it was, it was a cool way to see be able to go down and walk on the ocean floor without having to learn how to scuba dive which mm. you know, is also on my list but you know it's a lot easier and like they had some things that were sunken down there like a uh, a jet ski that was down there that they had sunk, <laughs> And I think, like, a car they had down there. And, like, made mermaid statues. So, like, stuff you could explore around. Not just, mm. okay, here's the ocean floor. Right. Anyway, so she g- gets up onto the boat. She sneaks in, l- starts looking for the orders. A soldier notices her helmet and her wet footprints. And as they're about to burst into the door, Jack, now with a much nicer-looking costume, not makeshift this time. Yep. Distracts the soldiers while Amelia escapes. The sword fighting here is not great.
1: Oh, you didn't like it? I liked it. It was cute.
0: I was judging it. I was like, all right, is that because, you know, I mean, like, for example, go back to any of these Zoro shows, mm-hmm. be it in the 50s, the 80s, or the 90s. They all had good sword fighting, at least.
1: This did not. So, a couple of things here. I like how he swings on a rope onto the ship. Like a rope from nowhere, like in Return of the Jedi, yeah. and then I also noticed that apparently the daring dragoons' catchphrase is just a big laugh. He <laughs> <laughs> just does it over and over again.
0: And then I was like, "Oh, all right, you know, maybe you know they weren't doing good big sword fights for the goons, and maybe when the captain shows up, that'll uh, be a better yeah. sword fight." Mm-hmm. It was not. Or if it was, the camera work failed him because it was all over the place, and it did not not make it exciting. I like that. Anyway, so back at her place, Amelia reveals that she actually switched the orders and the boats will, you know, end up somewhere around the South Pole. Jack is packed up, ready to leave. And Amelia says, You know what, I don't approve of your methods, but your heart's in the right place. So if I write another letter reinstating you, would you stay? And Jack ah. says, No, oh, I actually intercepted the first letter and Pulls it out, tears it up.
1: He says, I knew you'd change your mind. And it's like, womp, 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 classic Jack.
0: He says, I would like to see you in the lab. Oh, where it's soundproof. You're going to shout at me, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. And with that, our episode ends.
1: So now it's time for our spy fact versus fiction. I have a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I guess I will start with the obvious here, which is from history.com. Was Napoleon actually short?
0: Yeah, that's actually a good one. I didn't actually think about doing that. Okay.
1: In fact, according to them, he was probably of average height. According right. to pre-metric system French measurements, he was five foot two. But the French inch was different from the Imperial inch. The Imperial inch was shorter. Huh. According to three French sources, his valet, one of his generals, and his personal physician, they said that Napoleon's height was five foot two. In French, which would make him just over five foot five. Now, I am five foot five, and I've been told my whole life that I am short. I always yeah. thought everyone else was freakishly tall. <laughs> but according again to history.com, Napoleon being five five is an inch or so below the period's average adult male height.
0: Interesting. I mean, five seven or five eight is somewhere supposed to be around average height nowadays.
1: Alright, so that's not too bad.
0: I mean, that's about how Tom Cruise is, but everyone also calls him short.
1: Right. Well, people suck. So, sure. now you may be wondering, if Napoleon was of average height, where did the legend of him being short come from?
0: Okay, where?
1: It was, in fact, largely the work of one man, a British cartoonist named James Gilray. Ah, um, uh, of course. He depicted the French general in such a popular and influential way that at the end of his life, Napoleon said that Gilray, quote, did more than all the armies of Europe to bring me down.
0: <laughs>
1: to start with cartoons of just Napoleon throwing a fit, but then in 1803, he created one called Maniac Ravings or a Little Bony and a Strong Fit, which was a satire of a diplomatic incident where Napoleon vented his rage at the British ambassador. Now, that depicted a tiny Napoleon-wearing boots that dwarf him, tearing out his hair in rage, uh, surrounded by overturned furniture with big speech bubbles. And then the name Little Boney would stick, and then more cartoons would carry on. And you can see it all the way through to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> and then to this show. Right, right.
0: All right, so I've got a few things. Um, one, in the very in one of the early scenes, Jefferson says that if, if you touch my niece, I'll have... George Washington cut down your cherry tree. Right. According to Wikipedia, so this is in 1801, George Washington died in 1799, so he'd be dead already.
1: I assumed he was metaphorical.
0: Yeah, still. I mean, if you're going to pick a metaphor, pick someone who's alive? Yeah, maybe. Next, also from Wikipedia, so there is no, as far as I can find, no actual island called Palau Palau. However, there is the island nation of Palau, just one Palau, which is actually in the uh, East Indies. Mm-hmm. However, it was never under French control. So as far as I know, it's usually under Spanish control. Uh, however, Palau actually does mean island in the Malay language. So it ah. is possible there is some island that was called Palau Palau, but there's no, so far as I could find on Wikipedia or elsewhere, no actual island. I see. So going back to Napoleon... I was curious. All right. Did he have any siblings? I didn't know. So I looked on Wikipedia. He was the fourth child and third son of the family. He had an elder brother, Joseph, and younger siblings, Lucien, Eliza, Louis, Pauline, Caroline, and Jerome.
1: Oh, my gosh. No croak. Well, how tall are they?
0: Ah, no idea. (laughs) Jack refers to the toilet as the porcelain throne. I was curious. All right. When was the toilet invented?
1: Was it invented by
0: James Crapper, or is that a myth? Um, That is a myth, seemingly. Mm -hmm. There are very many types of toilets, so -hmm. it depends on how you define the toilet of when it was invented. The pre-modern flush toilets, according to Wikipedia, (laughs) have existed since the Neolithic. But the modern flush toilet was invented in 1596 by Sir John Harrington. Uh however they weren't starting to build, be built out of uh porcelain I believe until in 1840. Oh. They weren't starting to be built out of porcelain until about the 1840s if I if I'm re- reading this correctly. Mm-hmm. Although Thomas Crapper and it's not John Crapper, it's Thomas Crapper mm. did not invent the flush toilet. He was a leading manufacturer. I see. Yes. All right. And lastly for this, the diving helmet. Mm -hmm. So the first successful diving helmets were produced by the brothers Charles and John Dean in the 1820s. This is from Wikipedia. Uh, But the more popular design that we think of, the one that's featured here, was not made until the
1: 1830s. So it was a little bit ahead of its time. A little
0: bit ahead of its time. I'm going to give it to give it to her with, like, prototyping and whatnot, and she's just, you know, that good. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, she, there's at least around the same time period. Right. Should we do any favorite quotes?
1: Uh, yeah, I have quite a few, so why don't you go first?
0: All right. I mean, I like Jack's first line. I would have knocked, but my fist had other plans.
1: I think that's on IMDb as well.
0: <laughs> and I'd love to stay in chat, but I'm allergic to lead.
1: Yeah, you like those cheesy ones.
0: I do. What do you got?
1: I like when he first meets Sebelia and they get into an argument. She gives him a piece of paper and the paper says, shut up and do what the lady says,
0: (laughs) TJ. That was good. Is that technically quote? Like, you know, he did read it out, I guess. Yeah.
1: When he's facing off with the captain of the guard, the captain of the guard says something. I don't even remember what it is. There's this long speech. And then Jack just says, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) And then finally, he's looking at the cards. He says, poker, I hardly know her. Which isn't that good of a line, but he has a huge laugh at his own joke. Which as someone who also laughs at their own jokes, I find that amusing.
0: You would.
1: All right, now it is time for our ratings on a scale of 1 to 10 martinis. 1 being Avengers 1997 and 10 being even better than Burn Notice Pilot. How would we rate Return of the Dragoon?
0: I was... Generally amused by the episode. I I mean it was it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. So I'm just gonna give this a five out of ten.
1: Well, if I was just going by the theme song, the theme song is a ten out of ten, clearly. (laughs) Anyone who disagrees is wrong. But Uh, unfortunately, we're doing the whole episode, so here's my review. uh Uh-huh. This is hard to rate for me. It's throwback (laughs) to a previous time. It's not a good show. It's just not. It's very dated in a lot of ways. Next episode will be even more so, Mm -hmm. but I still did like it. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. All right. It, It touched my heart. I like Bruce Campbell.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Okay, so we're on to the next episode, the highest rated episode of the show on IMDb called Love Potion Number 10. And here is the plot synopsis. When Croak must satisfy his newly returned wife or lose the governorship of Palo Palo, Jack and Amelia accidentally break Amelia's love potion and they must fight its effects in order to complete their mission.
0: Mm, all right. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. So we start with the governor stopping by the house to see Jack. So this is what, 11 episodes in. So seemingly like, you know, now they're friends and whatnot. And right. I'm sure there was character development in, in the middle too.
1: No, but that. it's more <laughs> like everyone loves Jack. He's so magnetic, uh and the the governor is like a toad, like he doesn't have much of a spinal column, so he'll just gravitate to everybody, (laughs) immediately trust them.
0: Amelia is eavesdropping as they're talking, apparently the governor's wife, Camille, is arriving soon from Europe, and apparently Napoleon believes that Croc is not man enough to rule Palau Palau from what Camille has said, and apparently it's been a while for Croc in terms terms of marital relations. Mm -hmm. what he's discovered is that if he can't satisfy his wife, Napoleon will make her governor.
1: That's hilarious.
0: And also kind of progressive, a woman governor in 1801.
1: Absolutely. So Uh the whole plot of this episode is around erectile dysfunction. Uh And that made me think. Because I was like, what is the target audience of this show? Because I only watched a few episodes. I didn't Uh remember any extreme adult content. Okay. Uh, the last episode, we had them in bed together, but that's yeah. James Bond level. I mean, whatever. Mm-hmm. But this episode has a fair amount of, I would say, at least teenager and up content. That reminded me of a quote I read from a review of a movie called Cutthroat Island, starring okay. uh, the... Star of The Long Kiss Goodnight. I don't remember her name right now. Gina something.
0: Gina Davis.
1: Gina Davis. So the quote is: this movie is too stupid for adults but contains too much adult content to be suitable for children.
0: So teenagers.
1: Well, that's what this show reminds me of. It made me think <laughs> of that.
0: So in the lab, Jack tells Amelia what's going on. He's, she knows Camille, and apparently it'll be worse if she's governor.
1: Yeah, she's worse in every way. Like she's meaner and she's actually smart, unlike Crook, who's pretty dumb.
0: Right. So she suggests something that will help uh, straighten out the issue, shall we say? (laughs) There's a lot of bad puns here involving erections.
1: I was going to say, you could write for this show.
0: I just took one. That was one of the (laughs) shows.
1: Oh, it was? I forgot that one. Uh,
0: But Jack makes the comment that, you know, they're not always the most effective... And Amelia says, Well, I'll just have to, you know, do something in the lab to make it more potent. So Kroc and Camille are riding along in their carriage. Is a tree blocking their path.
1: You know what this reminded me of? What? Tree blocking the path. Bandits come out. Michael Collins. Just saying. Rush hour in Ireland.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
1: Yeah, but in this scene, we get a little bit of politics where they're like, Oh, we thought the dragoon fights for the people. And he says, oh. That's right, but I can't stand crime.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. Well, since he got there already, the soldiers wow. fight back. Jack and Amelia spot them, so Jack runs over to help, and you know somehow has that entire outfit on his his body, which
1: is great. <laughs> it's hilarious. The dragoon,
0: yeah, rescues Camille, but the whole time Camille is quite taken with the dragoon.
1: Well, sure, he's a man of action. What's not to like?
0: And whereas Croc, the grovener. You know, falls over and falls and gets mud all over him and looks emasculated.
1: Yeah, so it's the 2000s slapstick comedy where someone falling into mud is the height of hilarity.
0: I would say it probably peaked in the, like the mid to late 90s.
1: Well, there you go.
0: So we get our theme song again, and apparently I didn't notice it, that the parrot says something else this time.
1: Yeah, it says, damn right, it's Jack. I want to talk about the on the opening, if you don't mind. No, I'm just kidding. It's exactly the same, but it's still great. Yeah,
0: I, was, I was like, did it change that I did not notice? I all right.
1: Yeah, it's not like The Simpsons, where it changes a little bit every time.
0: Uh, Amelia is mad at Jack because Camille is falling for the dragoon instead of you know falling for her husband. Right. Jack points out that a aphrodisiac like they're trying to find can only fan the flames of passion, not ignite them from scratch.
1: Yeah, they have this really long discussion about whether or not marriage is, like, good for the relationship. It just goes on and on and on. And it reminds me of that quote from Clue, which is, uh, Life after death is almost as far-fetched as sex after marriage. Great movie.
0: Um, Yeah, so, yeah, like you said, Jack believes that marriage kills passion. And Mm -hmm. Amelia points out the fact that she was married for five years and, you know, that didn't kill any of their passion.
1: Yeah, it feels like it comes right after the pilot, because they talk about a lot of stuff that's in the pilot.
0: Back at the governor's mansion, Kroc visits Camille in her chambers. She criticizes his lack of action when she was in danger. So she wants to hear more about the Dragoon. She's getting all hot and bothered by it. Uh, Mm -hmm. She tells Kroc that he has to, since he's not feeling well, so she says he has to stay in bed until she lets him out of the bed. Right. And she goes to take a bath and brings a banana with her.
1: Yeah, this is like female masturbation joke in my notes.
0: Yeah, so Jack is looking for an aphrodisiac in the marketplace. He finds one, Spanish fly. Mm-hmm. Amelia states that she's going to use her lab to double the effect as this is all going on. All the womenfolk in the marketplace are all laughing and giggling. And, and.
1: Yeah, this is great. I like when he's the butt of the jokes. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, no, That was good. As this is going on, they spot some trouble nearby. The captain of the guard is having a bunch of innocent people arrested. They're going to be hanged in the morning, even though they, he knows that they're completely innocent. This is all by order of the governor's
1: wife. Yeah, this is a little hardcore for this show. People don't usually die. Yeah. Or even get threatened with death. It's supposed to be all light and fun and breezy. And at the end of the episode, they don't get released. At least I don't remember. <laughs> I think the writers forgot.
0: Um, yes, but... <laughs> What we find out is this is actually just, you know, they're meaningless. She doesn't care about them at all. What she's trying to do is lure the dragoon out.
1: Yes. And Jack is totally up for meeting her and, quote, getting to know her better.
0: So Amelia is in the lab making the Spanish fly more potent. And yeah, so Jack suggests he seduce Camille to get her to free the prisoners. Amelia thinks that, you know, Camille could be trying to spring a trap on him. And she's also made the Spanish fly ten times as strong. (laughs) Jack doesn't believe it'll work. And they argue back and forth about whether or not to give it to Kroc. And, of course, I saw this coming a mile away.
1: Of course he did, because they took forever. And then there was this suspense-like music that sounded like the Jaws theme.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, so as they're arguing, they drop the vial that the Spanish fly was in. And they both are affected by it.
1: Yeah, it creates a cloud that looks like a heart, like it's from a cartoon. <laughs>
0: they, like, almost kiss a few times, but they, like, resist it right at the last second. They even start um, getting undressed.
1: Again, this part goes on for so long, and it's like, okay, we get it. And when the part where it gets to the spanking...
0: Oh, It's a little, yeah.
1: like... That's, that's when they went a bridge too far, <laughs> to quote a movie we haven't seen. Uh-huh. It's like... Okay, we get it. We get it. Stop. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to see Bruce Campbell's tighty-whities. Thank you very much.
0: They keep resisting at the last moment, Mm -hmm. and then Jack leaves to get out of there.
1: I also have another couple things to say about this scene. There's a part where Jack advances on Amelia, and he has a scary face. Do you remember this? It looks like something out of the Evil Dead movies. Okay. Yeah, Obviously, you're not going to go back and watch it because why would you? But you're to take my word for it. But then also the whole reason why they don't want to start kissing and go further is because there's like this subtext where they're like, oh, we're friends and we need to stay friends. And if we're not friends, then it's all going to ruin everything. Yeah. And that reminded me also a lot of the Avengers, except in the Avengers, right. it was all unspoken. Right. Here, they're very much speaking.
0: No, not in the movie.
1: Yes, of course I'm talking about this show. We don't talk about the movie, except when we do, (laughs) right, you get the picture.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Crook is still in his bed, and Jack comes to visit. He says that he doesn't have any love potions for him, but he's got something better. What does Uh he have? It's a Dragoon outfit for him. He says to go to the Cock St. Jack at 8 o'clock.
1: Yeah, I assume it's the Dragoon costume.
0: It probably is.
1: In a smarter show, Crook might be like, how'd you get it? But like, this is F- not as smart. This
0: not smart.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, I feel like by that point, you know, I mean, look at the costume. It's you know, it's a little fancy, but I'm sure it's something someone could make easily.
1: It's reproducible, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Jack is back at the house and has a message sent to Camille for her eyes only.
1: <laughs>
0: uh Amelia finds him, she's jealous, thinks that he slept with Camille. But he swears that nothing happened, and says that his plan to get Camille and Croc back together is, might, just might work. They almost kiss mm-hmm. again, and then Jack leaves again. And then right. we get the only real moment of spy action in this episode, right? Where em- Amelia takes the pad that Jack was writing on back to the lab, spreads black powder on it, and then uh, uses that to find out to get a imprint of what he was actually writing to find out what his plan is.
1: Yeah, usually in spy movies they just move a pencil really fast across it. That's what we normally say.
0: Right, yeah. But well, I didn't look up when the pencil was invested to see if that could have been done.
1: But yeah. Yeah, because they use quills and ink around now. Also tax yeah. Exit in this scene is very much an I'll be in my bunk for you (laughs) Firefly fans.
0: Yeah, but she sees that the message is for Camille to meet the Dragoon at the Cock St. Jack at 8 p.m. and to wear red. Mm -hmm. So we see the captain visiting a brothel, which is apparently the Cock St. Jack. I did not really, or St. Jacques,
1: excuse me. Right. So again, this is not appropriate content for children. So it was interesting to see the captain there, because when I watched the early episodes way back in 2004 or whatever, I always assumed that him and Croak were gay for each other. They just didn't I mean, want to admit yeah, yeah. it. It was like unrequited because it was the times, and they right. couldn't admit it to themselves, but apparently not.
0: Well, I mean, he could be bi. That is an, an, another option.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not going to go back. Maybe I will watch every episode of this <laughs> series, and we'll see if they reveal you that. You
0: own them now.
1: I guess I have to.
0: <laughs> Someone arrives with a red cloak and the hood over their head. The Madame says she's expecting them, leads them into a room a- right across the hall. Jacques is, or not Jacques? Jack. That's mm-hmm. why would you have Jacques and Jack in that
1: episode? Excellent question.
0: Unless you just wanted it to rhyme, the cock Saint Jacques. Mm-hmm. Right across the hall, uh, Jack is getting Crook ready in the dragoon costume. Sends him out. And, of course, the captain having finished seemingly quite quickly. I didn't think about the timeline there.
1: Well, I thought he was waiting for his girl to arrive, and then he saw the captain run by.
0: I thought he had already finished with one. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Who knows?
0: (laughs) Yeah, but he spots Croc dressed as the dragoon roaming the halls.
1: It's hilarious. This reminded me of this old movie called The Court Jester, which is a lot of running around and misadventures and people disguised as other people,
0: oh, yeah. As soon as that happened, I knew exactly where the rest of them was going to go. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Jack comes down the stairs, and just then spots Camille entering, pulling a hood down. So if she's down there, who's up there?
1: Oh my gosh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here?
0: <laughs> and then the captain runs down, saying the Dragoon is here. So Jack runs back upstairs, Apparently the girl in the red cloak was Amelia and Jack finds her and Croc who only just discovers that it's Amelia and is wondering, okay, where is Camille there? (laughs) And at that moment, the captain is banging on the door, demanding that the dragoons surrender. They put Croc in a closet Mm -hmm. and Jack, you know, takes the hat off of Croc and forms a makeshift Dragoon outfit by taking Amelia's red cloak, and then her underwear again for the mask.
1: Yeah, he says, I'm going to need your underwear again like the pilot just happened. Right? Yeah. Not 11 episodes earlier. Which would be <laughs> months ago in real time.
0: Where was I? Oh, yes.
1: There's a sword fight. Because there's always a sword fight in this yeah, show. There's
0: a sword fight this time. Maybe they've got uh, Bruce Campbell a little more trained on the, with a rapier now.
1: Have you seen Army of Darkness? I have not, actually. There's some pretty good sword fighting by Bruce Campbell on that.
0: Is it a sword or is it a chainsaw?
1: It's a sword and a chainsaw, but not at the same time. Two different sets. Okay.
0: Well, then maybe they just need to train everyone else. (laughs) Because, yeah, that first episode, that sword fight was
1: appalling. (laughs) Appalling, he says. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) But, you know, this one is better. And I think also the camera work was better. They actually lingered on the shots. And, like, when they made quick pans, they actually used them to inflict it, you know, or not inflict, um to enhance it and give it a sense of movement as opposed to last time where it looked like they were just cutting away because they
1: mm-hmm.
0: weren't that good with the swords.
1: Yeah. I like the part where he knocks the soldiers down. And they all crash into each other. Yep.
0: Classic, classic Zora move. Good stuff. You know, knocks the captain down the stairs, sees Camille and says, you know, if you think that was good to come upstairs, follow me here and I'll show you a good time.
1: Mm. And
0: he just ahead of Camille gets into the room. lets Croc out of the closet I mean, if you want to talk about gay coding.
1: I actually didn't pick up on that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Gives him back the hat, and he and, and Amelia escape out of the window just before Camille enters the room.
1: But not Croc- before he calls Amelia baby cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get away with that these days.
0: But yeah, so Croc reveals himself as the Dragoon, at least to
1: Camille, and they make love. So I was confused by this. Did Camille literally think that Croc was the Dragoon, or did she just not care?
0: She says it was you all along, except she was next to him when the Dragoon saved them the first
1: time. He's just that good. Yeah. Or she's just that dumb. Like, she doesn't seem I mean, dumb.
0: To, no, I, what I'm choosing to believe is that he, it was him this whole time.
1: Like, in this scene? Yes. He had some patsy do it earlier. Yeah. Oh, alright.
0: Or, I don't know.
1: We definitely thought about this more than the writer's did. Yeah.
0: The next day, Amelia and Jack are having tea. Amelia reveals that she saw Camille and she looked very satisfied. They're still feeling the effects of the Spanish Fly, and apparently it'll last, you know, another one day or two. So she says she's going to go horseback riding, and he's going to take a lot of cold showers.
1: And is their relationship ruined? Question mark. Who knows.
0: Who knows? Because we're never. I'm never watching another episode of this.
1: Oh, what? Come on! It's not that bad.
0: You were the one who was, <laughs> said that the theme song was the best part of it.
1: Well, it is. All right. So now it is time for our spy fact versus fiction. I have one quick thing I forgot to mention from last time.
0: Here, sure, what do you got? Which
1: is that Amuga's last name was Rothschild. I assume this was common knowledge, but maybe not. Rothschilds are a very famous British Jewish family. Right. They are known for having lots of money and conspiracy theorists think that they control the world. It makes me wonder whether Amelia is supposed to be one of the famous Rothschilds. Hmm. They never explicitly say that in the episodes we watched. Mm-mm. I guess I will maybe find out.
0: <laughs> Alright, so what I've got concerns Spanish Fly. This is from Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Uh, the Spanish Fly is a emerald green beetle in the blister beetle family. The species and others and its family were used in traditional apothecary preparations as cantharides. What are those? I have no idea, and it does not explain. The insect is the source of the cantharidin, a toxic blistering agent once used in, as an aphrodisiac. Well, there you go. It's been used since ancient times, possibly because, possibly because their physical effects were perceived to mimic those of sexual arouser and because they can cause prolonged erection or prior prism in men. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, that, actually, if you go on Wikipedia under Cantharidin uh, and under the section for aphrodisiac preparations, there's actually a lot of different examples of people in history who consume them, not always with positive effects.
1: Anybody we know?
0: Uh, the Marquis de Sade. Well, okay. He's said to have given uh, anise-flavored... Uh, pastilles l- laced with Spanish fly to two prostitutes at a pair of orgies in 1772, poisoning and nearly ki- killing them. Mm. Henry IV is said to have consumed them. Yeah, it's uh,
1: all the royalty.
0: Uh, but yeah, so that that is what I got on Spanish fly, although the stuff that I feel like it's not common now, but you used to see in like the 80s and 90s in your like gas stations, probably not real Spanish fly also don't use it
1: let alone super powerful like it is here
0: yeah well that's because they didn't have Amelia there to
1: super scientist
0: 10 times the <laughs> potency yeah right all right time for favorite quotes what do you got oh, all right you know what? i've got only got one so let me go first
1: by all means
0: Amelia. come on your position is always what's best for the mission so think let's think of it as the missionary position
1: Yeah, I knew you were going to like that. And it's a good pun.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of them were very one note. But that one is like, all right, you got some work to put into that one.
1: It's also funny because in a lot of movies we do, the spies are always going on about what's best for the mission. Mm -hmm. So it really really goes there. So some of mine is, well, espionage reaches a new low. (laughs) Yeah, that was They were getting started. When the dragoon is about to fight the bandits, he says, wait here and act surprised when I jump out. That's solid stuff. When they are uh, about to make out, Amelia and Jack, someone says, will you respect me in the morning? And the other one says, I don't respect you now. That's pretty good, yeah. (laughs) And then finally, he says, come play this game. It's like cricket, only fun.
0: (laughs) Oh, I've played cricket. It can be fun.
1: I thought it was clever.
0: Yeah, no, it's pretty good.
1: All right, so now it's time for our ratings on a scale of 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being Avengers 1997, and 10 being even better than Burn Notice Pilot. How would we rate Love Potion number 10? I can go first this time.
0: Sure, go ahead.
1: So I thought this episode was better than the last one. Some of the scenes where they just go on and on and on, I didn't really like. But the comedy of errors at the end was funny. Uh-huh. And there's the, the fighting was good, and... A lot of the dialogue was clever. So I'm going to push it up a little bit more. I'm going to give it a six and a half for our Wow.
0: All right. I, because I predicted pretty much early on where this was going to go, Mm -hmm. I was less amused by this. The other one, at least the first episode, I was like, I don't actually know where this is going. So I'll go along for the ride. The fighting was better. Yes. But Mm -hmm. the story was worse. So that equals out to uh, five out of five again.
1: All right, perfectly average, which is yeah. better than I expected. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening to Jack of All Trades, to my co-host. I know it wasn't his Todd choice, but it was definitely different.
0: I mean, it was different. I mean, I feel like now, though, to sort of counter this, we probably should have covered Turn as well for a more accurate of the era portrayal of, you know, Revolutionary War era spies. But we'll just have to save that for another time.
1: Yeah, exactly. But for now, Jack of All Trades holds the title for furthest back in time we've ever gone, dethroning Harriet, which took place in the 1840s. This takes place in 1801.
0: Huh. I had forgotten that Harriet was as far back as we went before. Wow. That's
1: right. We got to go back, Marty. All the way back. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining us here. You can find us on social media at the Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach.
0: And I'm Christian.
1: And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off.
0: Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended.
1: This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.
0: You can find our podcast on social media at The Guys